Our first guest today is Dr. Michael Youssef. Dr. Youssef is a best-selling author. He's a pastor of the Church of the Apostles in Atlanta, Georgia. I was there recently, and it is a magnificent and beautiful church. His international media ministry is called Leading the Way, and it reaches audiences in nearly every major city in the world. Uh, Dr. Youssef, welcome to Takeaways. Absolutely delighted to, to be here in this special program that God led you to do. Well, and, and I love visiting your church. It's, uh, it's such a remarkable building. You're driving by on the throughway, the freeway there, and you can just see it. But what's going on inside the church is even more beautiful. And that is a messenger of the gospel. Pastor Youssef, you've been faithful to the word. You have an international ministry, and I'm so thankful to be talking with you today. Yes. Um, could, could, I, you. could I ask you, what gave you the vision to start the uh, Apostles Church? I mean, there's so many churches in Atlanta and all throughout the South. Was there sure. a particular need yeah. that God put on your heart? Well, believe it or not, in the Buckhead area, when we started 35 years ago, there were not but one evangelical church in that entire area in Atlanta. Really? Now, there were 14 others. Yeah, 14 others came on to being after we started because they saw the blessing of God. And they said, hey, there's got to be harvest there. We can get into this, so, which is great. We, I said, the more the merrier. And, and so we're glad to have so many other churches have come sprung around us. And I look people in the eye, I'm, I'm about one thing, and that's Jesus. We love all the other ministry. We love all the other activities. We love all the other things that, you know, comes in and buttress that. But if you take your eyes off the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will get off in a tangent, and then you'll never get back. Dr. Youssef, uh, talk to me about your international ministry. What was the international sure. need that you saw that gave birth to leading the way? Well, Prior to birthing the Church of the Apostles, about 35 years ago, uh, I was uh, heading up an international ministries. Uh, it was headquartered in Singapore, and I was traveling the globe preaching the gospel huh. on campuses and cathedrals and churches in Africa and Asia and Latin America and Europe. And uh, so for 10 years, I've circled the globe literally four or five times a year and um, after that, the Lord basically led me to do something different. Just rather than go there and, and, and spot here and spot there, that to have a consistent preaching ministry. He literally called me from my mother's womb uh, to, to do that. So I prayed. I thought, you know, a guy was born in Egypt, trained in Australia. <laughs> I went to seminary in Sydney and uh, going to start a you know, pastor a church in Atlanta. Back then, 37 years ago, it didn't make a lot of sense. I thought, I might have to go out your way in Los Angeles, back where I used to be, actually in Pasadena, or, and I had opportunities to go back, or uh, New York, or one of the big cities. And the Lord kept saying to me for two years, I want you to bloom where I have planted you. I said, Lord, what does that mean? And, and finally, plant a church. I don't know anything about planting a church. And so I was teaching a, a Sunday school class for a church that has really oh. gone completely liberal, and I left. And I announced, I said, hey, I'm starting a church uh, in a hotel. <laughs> and sure enough, lots of people start showing up. And uh, that was in 1987. 
We talk about the gospel and we, we understand that to mean yes. the good news. So let's break it down and yes. define what the gospel sure. actually is. What, what is God's good news to the world? A lot of people, when they think about the gospel, they think of the four gospels in, in, in the Bible, which of course, are wonderful that I love. But the gospel really starts in Genesis 3.15. That's where the gospel starts. And I often tell international audiences, I said, Christianity did not just happen in a vacuum. Jesus didn't just appear like the founder of other religions, which so many churches are now buying into that lie. I said, in Genesis 3.15, God said to Adam and Eve, as soon as they sinned and they did not repent of their sin, he told them and made them a promise that he is going to send his Messiah and, uh, and he will crush the serpent's head, even though it might going to nip at his heel. And that is the promise of Jesus coming in Genesis 3.15. And then you go throughout the whole Old Testament. The gospel is constantly there. In Ezekiel, he said he's going to come, then he's going to give us flesh uh, hearts instead of stony hearts. Uh, in, in, in Jeremiah, it's a covenant that's going to be written on the hearts of people, not on a stone. And they go, Throughout the scripture, throughout the Old Testament, mm. from Genesis to Malachi, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So when Jesus appeared, so many of the faithful ones who have been waiting for him, they immediately recognized him. And that's where the core disciples uh, came from. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is that man sinned, man rebelled against God, man wants to go his way, but God sees that there is no other way to get back to God other than he himself becoming man in order to bear the sin uh. of us sinners. That's why it's vitally important. A virgin birth is of vital importance. People dismiss it. But he has to be, had to be born without man because that way the seed of sin is not transmitted and he becomes sinless, tempted in every way as we are, but never sinned. It's a sinless God-man Jesus who carried our sin and the sin of everyone who recognized that they are sinners and heading for hell and they need the Savior. Every one of those, he carried our sins on that cross. And so we literally only saved to get to heaven on the coattail of Jesus because on our own, we can't do it. He's the only one who kept the law perfectly. He's the only one who paid the wages of our sin. He's the only one who can truly redeem us, not just in this life, but for all of eternity. And so that is really the, the, the gospel in a capsule. The gospel is also thought of as our salvation. So with that in yeah. mind, what are we being saved from? We are saved from the very sin <laughs> that Adam and Eve committed. And that is, they, God said, don't do this. They did it. That's the bottom line. I tell people when say, you know, I don't make any you know, commit all these big sins, adultery and, and, and stealing and so forth. I said, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Adam and Eve were thrown out of the garden. Uh, there was no adultery because there's only <laughs> one man and one woman. They were not one of the big sins. Uh, but the one sin, which is the root, the, all the other sins are just the fruit. But if you think of the tree, the root of sin is that we want to go our own way. We don't want to do things God's way. 
We don't want to come to God God's way. We want to mm. come to God our way. And, and that doesn't work with God. And so he provided only one way to come back from that sin of rebellion and uh, wanting to be independent of God, from which all the other sins, the fruit of it, uh, are basically uh, are, are the product. But the core sin, the, the root of that sin, is rebelling against God, our pride. We want to be saved yeah. our way. We want to be accepted by God our way. Right. Uh, surely, I'm so good, God has to accept me. No, nobody is that good except for Jesus. And so, what does the gospel say we have to do? I mean, break that down for us. I, what do I have to do? Yeah. What do I have to say? What do I have to become? I have to recognize that I'm a sinner. By sin, I mean that I'm self-centered, that I am independent, that I want to do things my way. I have 11 wonderful grandchildren. And uh, I tell my, my children, I said, you know, these beautiful kids that we love and adore, every one of them born with their back to God. And the first word the kids learn, not mommy or daddy, but no, <laughs> because that's the original sin. That is the sin we've inherited. Mm. It's in our DNA. It's in our nature to say no to God and yes to self and yes to the world. And that is the core from which Jesus came to save us. And we want to say yes to God and no to self. And that's what the Bible calls repentance. It's 180 degrees um, a turn from self-centeredness, self-worship, self-affirmation to God-worship. That is what repentance is all about. God, thank you that you have provided a way for me to turn away from my sin but not only that when the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, when we do that, when we repent, and then it doesn't become, we don't become perfect, but we learn to hate sin. And why? Because Christianity is not a book of rules and laws like other religions. I am so indebted to God. I am so thankful to God for saving me eternally that I don't want to offend him. I don't want to displease him. And that love that I have with Jesus, and only you can experience that after repentance and after you accept the gospel as your only way for salvation and eternal life. Dr. Youssef, what does it look like for somebody to practically walk out the gospel in their Christian life? You've now become a child of God. What do I do next? You know, it's the Holy Spirit that comes, opens our internal set of eyes, the spiritual eyes, C.S. Lewis calls them, and we recognize that we're sinners and we need a Savior. Without that, we're still blind spiritually. And so that is the work of the Holy Spirit from the beginning to end. And then when He comes to dwell in us, it was, it, it is, it's a joy. It, it's, some people think that, uh, that the Christian life is miserable, is sad, and sorrowful. I said, you do not know what joy is until you've experienced Christ, until you fall in love with the one who loved you before the foundation of the earth. He didn't love you just when you came to him. He loved you before the earth was even formed. He knew you, and he called you. And then when you recognize that, how can you not fall in love with such a person who loved you so much, gave his life for you? Mm. And so the, the walk is, is not a hard walk. It's not, oh, I'm, I've got to walk. Uh, you know, it's a hard walk to walk with Jesus. It is not. 
It is joy to walk with Jesus. Sure, we fail. Absolutely. John said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Ah, but if we confess, and that is the thing about confession for the believer after Christ you know, comes into our lives, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, that when we confess, uh, we are in agreement with heaven. Heaven already know that we've sinned. There are sometimes I, th- I say things, and I, I, I don't watch the news anymore, but I used to watch the news, and I get angry, and I'll say things that I really should not have said, and I, say, I, I would immediately stop. I said, Lord, I am so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. You're in control. You love the world. You love me, and you love your church. And so I repent immediately. As soon as I sin, I repent and turn to the Lord. And the Lord never, ever, ever says to me or to you or to anybody else, you know, this is the 1,155,000 times you have come to me. Uh, I've had enough. No, he will continuously receiving us. We're now members of the family. He welcomes us every time we turn away from sin and ask him to forgive us. I want to continue our conversation, so don't go away. We'll talk more with Dr. Youssef right after this. We're back with Dr. Michael Youssef to talk more about the beauty of the gospel message. Dr. Youssef, Mm. uh, you've been talking with us about what the gospel is. You've been talking with us about how walking with Jesus is a joy. It's not a religious list of do's and don'ts. Now let's talk about what the Bible refers to as becoming a new creation. I I love that. I believe it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And it paints this picture that in my mind is like a caterpillar that is crawling through the dirt and the dust. And then at some point, this bizarre thing happens where he spins a cocoon, it crawls into this little self-made casket, his body liquefies, and he comes out days later with wings, a brand new creature that resembles nothing like what he used to be. What does the Bible mean when you and I become new creations in Christ? As you know, the Bible, uh, basically very Hebraic, meaning Hebrew in their thinking. And uh, in the Hebrew language, uh, growing up with the Semitic languages, I I understand there are a lot of symbolism. Born again, even though Nicodemus is Jewish teacher, he said, what does that mean? I go back to my mother's womb and be born again. But concepts like that, sometimes people really find it difficult. But your analogy of the butterfly is perfect. It's a great one. I remember that night, on Wednesday, March 4th, 1964, when I made a deal with my older brother that I would go to this evangelistic meeting, but because I was running away from God as fast as I can, and I needed him, so he kind of tricked me. He said, okay, I'll help you, but you got to come with me to this meeting. So I, I said, as long as I'll be the first one out, as soon as the sermon is finished. He said, that's fine. And sure enough, I was the first one down the aisle, and uh, when I received Christ, I mean, the sky just looked more beautiful. Everything just looked different, not in that it changed, but I was changed inside, Mm. that the burden of guilt and the burden of sin and the burden of my rebellion against God and against what my family was trying to teach me about Jesus, that, that rebellion just thrown out, just like uh, the illustration you gave. 
and I became a butterfly in a sense. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in and it does the inside job from the inside and remind us and bring to our attention that we are sinners and that we are facing hell for all of eternity. And even life, when I was running away from Christ, it wasn't, it wasn't happy. You know, I, I kind of have few occasions, but I was miserable inside. When the door is shut and all alone in the bed, I was miserable. The weight of guilt and the weight of sin was crushing me. And so I remember that day, all of that was lifted. And I literally, from that moment on, I fell in love with Jesus. And I continue to love Jesus more every day because of what he has done for me. And, you know, experiencing the love of Christ is the only thing that is going to change my heart from being a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. Dr. Youssef, uh, when we turn from our sin, when we embrace Mm. the gospel, when we believe by faith, and we become this new person on the inside, as you've described it, um, how then does rehearsing the gospel over and over as we mature in Christ help to refine us? Uh, Is the gospel kind of a one and done thing uh, that happened years ago uh, at that evangelistic meeting or is it something that continues to work in your life? Yeah, there is a a principle in the Greek uh, uh, grammar called eris tense where an event takes place but then the effect keeps on going, keeps on going. And there's so many uh, uh, of those words in the scripture are in the aorist tense that, yes, that day was an important day. That day is a significant day. It's a day that I turned around, but it doesn't stop there. I always tell people, you know, when they talk about uh, somebody come forward, give a life to Christ, and then that's it. I said, no, when a baby is born, you don't say, okay, baby, you are here now. Go and fend for yourself. No, that baby needs to be nurtured. And every person who comes to Christ needs to be in a Bible-believing church in order that he or she may be nurtured and and brought together because we have to basically uh, uh, speak the gospel to each other in in a church, in in a Christian community, that that that's what keeps us going because we are encouraging one another and uplifting one another. And the gospel continues to live in us and the exciting part is that new babies are born, uh, spiritually speaking, are coming in, and they bring such joy into the body. And so the older ones will help the younger ones, and on and on and on it goes on. No, it's a continuous thing, and it will continue even in heaven, where we'll be spending all of eternity praising Jesus for saving us eternally. Dr. Youssef, you've, you've traveled around the world, as you've said, sometimes up to four or five times yep. in a year. What makes the gospel different than other religious systems? You know, I tell you, particularly of late, uh, I mean, the last uh, 20, 30 years, uh, and we have seen things I never thought I'm going to see in my lifetime. And that is tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Muslims. And that's where I spend, I have a television network station Kingdom Sat, part of the TBN affiliates, Kingdom Sat, Malakot in Arabic, is where we broadcast into 195 million homes in the Arabic-speaking world. And we're seeing people coming to Christ 
And, and the amazing thing is that they literally, some of them, not all of us, some of them put their life on the line when they make that decision. Uh. But they are full of joy. They are so happy that their sin are forgiven and they're really assured of heaven, not just some vague concept of paradise. But you know what the greatest thing, uh, my brother, is that they say for the first time, I can really relate to God. To them, before they come to Christ, Allah is such a a, a nebulous figure, it's it's awesome, uh, remote uh, in fact, uh, in some the verses says this, he's a cunning God. <laughs> but then they come to know God through Jesus, and they can have a personal relationship. That's the one thing, the common denominator that I found among people, regardless of their re- back religious background, Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, that they can have a personal relationship with God. They can actually talk to God, mm. and then hear God speaks to them. That is the greatest joy of their life. And they said, you know... I'm happy to die for Christ because now I know that my life is saved eternally. Dr. Youssef, speak to the, to the viewers who are, who are feeling that the gospel has just not been powerful enough to get through to my family member. I've been witnessing to them for so long. I've been praying them f- sure. for them for ages. How can I yeah. share the gospel with these types of people? Well, I think the scripture also gives, gives us the answer, and that is once you share the gospel with them and you say, I'm here for you if you ever need me, but the only thing you can do is to pray, is to pray. Pray for them and trust God. He's the one in his timing. He'll bring him to himself. I had the joy of leading business people uh, who are in their 60s to Christ and some people who've been, and, and when they come to Christ and they love the Lord and they'll say, but why didn't I do that earlier? And I said, you know, God's timing is always perfect. But you're going to find that somebody prayed for them. The mother prayed for yep. them. Uh, 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 brother prayed for them. Somebody prayed yep. for them. And I believe those prayers must never be given up because God in his economy is going to bring family members to himself, even if it's the last minute. Prayers are so important, and I have met people who told me that they were praying for me for years before I ever came to Christ, and I'm so thankful for those powerful prayers. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.